to another episode of Small Council Radio. Tonight we're going to be discussing the last couple of Vision in the Flames because uh, they're kind of coming out faster than we can kind of cover them. So we figured, uh, you know, last week we did our anniversary show. We gave out a ton of stuff. I think think it gave out like five unit boxes plus a uh, um, starter box plus some other stuff. So it was pretty intense. Uh, most of the winners came on uh, and kind of talked a bit. So if you guys haven't checked that episode out, definitely go back. Uh, we talked about a ton of different stuff, you know, the future of uh, our show, you know, what we'd like to try to improve coming in, uh, going into 2021. Uh, talked about some of like memorable shows uh, and you'll kind of get some awesome questions from some of our callers that won uh, a bunch of awesome stuff. So definitely go check that one out because it was it was definitely a, a really good show. Um, but yeah, today we will be going over the last couple uh, Vision in the Flames, in particular the one that uh, revealed one of each uh, faction's tactics cards, and the one uh, previous to that which showed us uh, uh, four new units. One of which we kind of had already seen, the Stagnites, but we will be discussing the pyromancers, the skirmishers, and the guardsmen, and uh, everything that kind of goes with them. Um, so we're going to kind of limit to that because there is there is some little like bits and pieces within all the texts. Uh, but in order for me to really freshen up on all of it, I'd have to reread all all the way through it. So. Um, I would definitely highly suggest going to Simon's uh, A Song of Ice and Fire uh, page. It has a lot of great content on there, you know, articles and documents and ways to get a bunch of, you know, pr- a bunch of awesome uh, material. But on there, you'll be able to read through uh, a lot more detailed, uh, whereas uh, tonight's show will be more so kind of, you know, going over what uh, changed, but also uh, kind of just our um, opinions and uh, discussion on the changes. So definitely go check those out. Uh, so tonight we have with us uh, Brett and myself, and then uh, we have a guest coming on. Uh, Grant, are you are you there? Yeah, hello, yeah, can you hear me? Awesome, yeah, we can hear you now. There he uh, is. So thank you, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and maybe uh, just tell us Tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so my name's Grant. I'm from um, I'm from sunny England. Um, I'm three cells gaming. We started doing some tutorials with them, but most guys know me from UCATS miniatures. So I was the guy responsible for the various diorama with the little birds. Um, but yeah, just lo- loving the game. Awesome. And if you actually wouldn't mind sending me a picture of that uh, diorama you did, I'd love to post it up on the Small Council Radio Facebook page to kind of show it off. Because uh, I, right I know some of our listeners probably are, you know, immediately remembering uh, when they saw it, but some some might have uh, missed it. So I'll grab it for you now, Grant's being, Grant's being a little modest, so I'll tell you. I, yeah, you can uh, send it to me, but... but when I saw it, I thought it was brilliant. Um, so I, you know, and what's awesome is that uh, Varus's change does not change your diorama, which is amazing. You know. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I, I, I did exhale a nice big 
lung full of air when they when it came out that you had four tokens still. <laughs> I was in panic mode. I was failing the panic test. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be perfectly honest. That Vera's piece is the single most creative and just coolest little diorama bit that I've ever seen. So that's Thanks, just man. I agree. But uh Grant is also you know, a fantastic gamer. So uh, I don't know how long he's been playing A Song of Ice and Fire or war games in general, but he charged onto A Song of Ice and Fire stats and made his way quickly into the top ten. And I have played with him as well, and he is—he's got a—he's—he's he's not just a, a beautiful painter; he's got a grasp of the game as well. So it's going to be really cool to hear your take on this stuff. Uh, I've never seen somebody crack the top ten on stats so fast like you did. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 so I've been been playing. So I started in Warhammer Fantasy. Been play, I was playing that for about well, over twenty years, I guess. I've been playing this game for about just over a year, maybe eighteen months. But obviously, due to the pandemic, we you know me and my gaming group have been getting quite a, quite a lot of games, and there's nothing else to do. You know, we we're quite lucky to have Tabletop Simulator, really. Yeah, agreed. It's uh, it's definitely uh, really helped out with everything going on. But yeah, uh, before we move on, I definitely would agree with Brett that uh, I've seen a lot of amazing uh, um, like sculpts and dioramas and just things uh, people have made for this game. And uh, I'd agree that uh, that Varus uh, one is by far my favorite. I thought it was ingenious uh, of an idea. So. Um, Thanks, man. But yeah, uh, moving on to, we'll go with uh, the units first, just because there's less of them and they're kind of older news um, by a little bit. Uh, so everyone uh, already knows about the Stagnites, and we actually did a show on them, so we're going to skip over them. Uh, and we'll go probably to my favorite of the changes is the Bloody Mummer Skirmishers. So, um, bef- like, as they are right now, I, it's hard to justify them in my opinion at six points, especially when you put them alongside cutthroats along with cut, uh, the house Bolton, just being a stronger house at the moment. It just, there's very little reason to bring them other than the fact that in my opinion, the models look 10 times better than the cutthroats. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but the way they've changed them, I mean, these guys are going to be amazing. The minus one to hit, really uh works well with um uh with the weekends uh you know making that five up uh save seven up morale really uh you know it's really going to sh- you know you look at that and you think that they're just you could blow on them and they're just going to kind of melt you know between the agile and uh weakening them through like either tywin or uh vargo along with the Mummer's Blade uh, weakening them if they are attacking someone that hasn't activated. I think these guys are going to survive way longer than people are going to give it credit for until they finally either play as them or against them. What do you guys think? Yeah, man, I, I agree. I think, well, we we know that that most units are now going to a, a four-plus hit value, so that minus one now takes them to a five, and I think being on a five-plus hit is... is it's crazy. It's just going to combine with the weakened token. I think you're really going to get a lot of um, a lot of payment out of these guys now. 
especially with a combined with a counter strike. So um, I was yeah, a really good handy unit. Well, yeah, because even though they're so anyone who's, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for reference, let me pull them up real quick. Uh, they hit on threes at the moment, I think. So, yep. So they hit on threes, and they have the same dice on every rank. Uh, they move. Movement is six, whereas it was a five. And then mm. armor and morale is the same. But even though they lost that uh, the three up to hit going to four up, people have to remember that a lot of units from what they've said are going to go to four up. So that's not yeah. as big of a deal. Not only that, as you were just mentioning, the minus one to hit making a unit possibly go to fives weakens to make them reroll those fives. And then now the counter strike means for every miss, which could be practically all the dice they're taking yeah. a hit. So all those free hits will more than make up for the fact that they're hitting on fours instead of threes now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm really excited about him. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit upset that they, they they spoiled them because they're out of stock everywhere now. I can't get any. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I do uh, commission for uh, painting for one of my friends, and he only had two. But now with the change, you know, he's he I already picked up a third one for him to paint, and then uh, possibly thinking about getting a fourth because I mean these guys, you know. It's not just about defense and morale. Like it's a combination of defense, morale, weakened tokens, and now agile. Like there's so many ways to make your unit defensive. Uh, I've mentioned this before about uh, berserkers. You know, because I run what would look like on paper a very flimsy army when practically my entire force has five up saves. But when I have basically four up morale across the entire army uh, or better. Um, you know, you have to do your damage straight hits and wounds uh, because you can't rely on that morale. So uh, you can't really just look at the defense or just the morale. you got to look kind of at the whole picture. And in this case, the whole picture is saying that these guys are going to be a lot harder to sweep off the field than uh, what their defense and morale is showing. Yeah. I think there's there's a lot of implications here with these guys, and I, I'm sorry if I cut you off, but uh, there's a no, lot to be said for this. So to begin with, you both already mentioned when units are hitting you on a 5+, plus, uh, it's going to be really tough to score hits anyway, even with rerolls. Now when you're considering an embargo or a Taiwan army or even as a standalone army, they're going to be doing weakened tokens. It's going to be really difficult to score hits. So if you only scored one or two initially – the weekend is very likely to make you score nothing. So now add in to the fact that they've already said that five and six point units, uh, maybe with a few exceptions, are going to be hitting on fours. Uh, it sounds to me like four is going to be the new normal. So now you're considering if people are filling out their army with, with five and six point units like they do now, uh, you know, things like Stark Swarm Swords, Cutthroat, uh, some of the less elite, just to push their numbers out, that's not going to get through these guys. It's not going to work. You're not going to get through them. As you mentioned, even with a 5-plus defense and a less than great morale, you're still going to have trouble getting through them. 
And the other implication with it, with a, a change to panic is coming. They've already said that there is. We don't know what that change is, but it's not a buff. It's not going to be a buff. So whatever happens to reduce panic damage, you have to think that they're reducing panic damage to some capacity. Uh, theories floating around that it's a flat D3 wound. Theories floating around that they're going back to the old system with a hard cap. Uh, you're not going to be able to just get one hit on these guys and push it through. Yes, they're not, they're not destroying you, but they're fast, they're getting to a point, and they're going to be able to hurt you for trying to hurt them. Uh, I think they're phenomenal. And, yeah, like Grant said, they're hard to find, and it's just one of those reasons why I feel like if you're playing A Song of Ice and Fire and you like neutral units, whether it's an all-neutral armor, you play Lannisters or whoever, and you, you, could have, you should buy every unit. Because even if they look like crap at one point, they will get brought into line with everything else, and they'll be worth taking. Yeah, and one uh, change that I want to point out that I thought was something that uh, was something that I said kind of like off the bat when these guys first released was, you know, they have Perry currently not the new version and that's for every uh each attack die roll of a one the attacker suffers one wound so pretty much automatic wound uh and granted the uh counter strikes for every miss it's a hit um so not only is i think in my opinion counter strike better uh because you're going to have you know i guess it really comes down to what you're facing if they're facing average to bad armor then counter strike's hands down better whereas parry it was better against you know like three up two up save uh units but i never really liked the auto like i don't like seeing so much auto wound i think one of the things that uh bothers me when uh, i occasionally play uh, age of sigmar or even possibly 40k uh it seems like it's happening more now is they have what's called mortal uh wounds which is basically auto wounds and basically almost nothing can save it and it just gets too insane when you know you have all these things that you have no control over and i think that's what auto wounds in this game kind of does so i am happy to kind of see them lose that and i would i'm hoping that's a trend i hope we're going to start seeing that across all the changes that they start releasing because um i just don't like seeing things melt without any uh any way to I'm okay with uh, no saves because at least you can you know use block abilities and stuff like that no saves is quite a bit different um, in my opinion so um, so yeah I just want to mention that because I think that was a wonderful change going from parry to counter-strike uh, so um, did you guys have anything else that kind of came to mind with these guys before we moved on no, I mean, I think you, I think you covered it. I think you're exactly right. I think taking away the automatic wounds is is really healthy for the game. I mean, I played a, a, a game against a friend using the Mammoth the other day, and it's just chucking out the automatic wounds. It's just, there's nothing you can do about it. It's not, I don't feel like it's a game of tactics at that stage, when it's just a case of you're taking your miniatures off the board just because they've walked over the top of you. You know, especially for things like Baratheons. Where Baratheons, it's just, it's just, the tactics deck becomes void, and the, the tactics board becomes void, and you're just letting elephants trample over you. Like a bad dream. <laughs> <laughs> and dragons, of course. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know what you do about dragons, because 
Uh, I think just do what you have with the mountain. Uh, just no saves. Think auto wounds. I think auto wounds as part of attacks is kind of unnecessary. Mm. I think something like trappers doing auto wounds as part of just an ability is different. Um, I'm also okay with like auto wounds in the sense of, uh, I think it's called expert duelist that Loris and uh, Jamie have, you know, where they just do mm. one auto wound in, yeah. sort, in order to like ensure the attack goes through to panic. Something like that's fine. I just don't like all these like D3 auto wounds and, you know, uh, D3 plus whatever auto wounds. Cause it just ends up getting so insane. Um, and I think that's another thing like with giants, um, giants, dragons, mammoths, you know, you want to represent that they're super strong, which is fine. I think the answer really is just changing auto wounds to no saves. Uh, or even yeah. maybe say like, I don't know. Um, cause maybe they don't want to like super awesome block abilities to also block them. I don't know. You might have to add an extra line of text that weakens those abilities. Like, uh, having like let's say um uh like shield wall can only block or you have shield wall rounding down or something so you'd have to roll like a two to only block one i don't know it's just kind of mm-hmm. ideas popping off the top of my head but just anything that takes away auto wounds i think would just be healthy for the game in general what do you yeah. think brett yeah i think they're a necessary evil. They're an element of the game that I think, you know, needed to exist. Um, it was fine, you know, when when the game was very, very young. Obviously, you've played it for a long time. I've played it for a long time. Grant wasn't there necessarily when the game was in its early going, but that the two-plus defensive save, Blademan and the Mountain That Rides, were just so, so hard to deal with that uh, <laughs> you had to rely on whatever auto-wound mechanisms you could get. Uh, neutrals had to rely on calculated cruelty, you know, to try to try to zing some wounds on Gregor. Uh, Starks were relying on devastating impact, and, uh, you know, uh, Lannisters outside of Gregor's attachment didn't have a whole lot of ways to do auto-wounds. It seems like they started to be a little bit too generous with them. Mm-hmm. To be very fair, I am perfectly fine with the giant. I like the Giants design as much as I dislike Free Folk and as much as I hated in that tournament game when I put five wounds on a Giant and didn't kill it and I lost an entire unit of Sworn Brothers from one club just thump there off the table. I still like the Giants design. <laughs> it makes you think about how you're going to approach the Giant. Uh, Steyer, the NCU, I hate his design. Um, no offense to the developers. I just hate his design. Um, Solis and Shireen, to a lesser extent, I dislike it, but at least they take wounds in exchange, and the whole Stannis side theme is taking wounds to give wounds. Uh, so I'm relatively okay with that, but uh, Steyer, I'm not. Trappers are okay, but uh, when you get five trappers on the field, the D3 wounds really, really add up, and it starts to become you just feel like you're being punished for playing the game. Uh, if you're running a cab unit like the poor Dothraki horde, what are they supposed to do right now against trappers? They take a free maneuver. They, they, they lose D3 wounds. They charge. 
they lose D3 wounds. They overrun. They lose D3 wounds. That doesn't take long, even if you're rolling, you know, some ones, twos, and threes in there, not all threes, but if you roll three threes, that's nine wounds that that unit's taken, and for what, to kill one unit if you're lucky? Screamers can't even one-shot them. So, um, but I guess that's not what we're discussing per se. Uh, <laughs> less auto wounds would be good. They should exist in some form. They're fine. I just really hope that they're reining that in, and I think they're going to. I think that goes along the same lines of uh, reducing the killiness of units. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, what you were mentioning about, like, the Flayed Minute 2-up, uh, now that they don't have that, but you still have, like, Champions of the, of the Stack kind of taking their place. You got the Dragonstone Noble, I believe, is also a 2-up, and then the Mountain That Rides is a 2-up. Um, I think... Uh, if you just change auto, uh, not all auto wounds, but a lot of auto wound effects to just no saves, if it's like a part of an attack, you'd kind of have the same answer, you know, because, uh, you know, the no saves will still help you get through that to a farmer. Yeah. Um, let's see. So we can move on to Lannister Guardsmen. So for Lannister Guardsmen, they're, uh, they're basically the same in a lot of ways. Uh, all of their stats are the same, with the exception of at last rank, they go from three dice to four dice, which is really nice because um, even though their attack profile is what some would say pitiful, going from six to five to four means that uh, you're really not suffering much by losing ranks. You know, obviously going from full ranks to last rank, you're losing two dice, but you know only losing one die at each rank is it's not a huge deal. Uh, they're hitting on four ups as always. Uh, all their other stats are the same. It's just Lannister supremacy has changed from what it used to be was uh, an always active ability that if this unit is attacked and passes its panic test, the attacker must make a panic test with a minus two to their roll. Uh, and, People found out pretty quickly, even even if they didn't like listen to any like stuff going on, uh, they found out pretty quickly the combination between that and guards captain. As most people probably all know, you know the guard captain uh, would allow you to auto pass by killing a guy, which then by auto passing would trigger the Lancer supremacy, uh, and it works you know super well but it kind of pigeonholed everyone into only ever taking a guards captain in the unit. Now, as others have demonstrated, they definitely can hold their own and do well with other attachments as Brett has run many a guardsman with like an assault vet and has run really well, but just kind of the go-to is, you know, that combo and I can't really fault anyone for that. But the new version is now an order uh, still called Lannister Supremacy after an enemy completes an attack on this unit, that enemy suffers one panic test with a minus one to their roll and a plus one to the wounds on a failure for each remaining rank in this unit. Uh, so an order meaning they can only do this once. But uh, an important thing to note is it will automatically trigger uh, as long as you don't shut off orders. Uh, because they don't have to pass or fail or do anything. It's just simply after being attacked, they can trigger it and throw it back on the enemy. Uh, so overall, 
this has gotten, even though it's an order, this has gotten so much better than it was because um, you have to think that a guards captain was an order and you needed uh, with the seven up morale on the unit. A lot of the times you, even if you got attacked multiple, multiple times, you could only trigger the guard captain once and then you'd usually fail uh, on the next attack anyways. So in a lot of ways, land supremacy would only trigger once around anyways. Um, not always, uh, but especially for guardsmen, I think. And the other thing to note is they're now a five-point unit that doesn't need to take an attachment, or even if they do, they're no longer uh, – the guard's captain is almost like the least desirable for this unit now, um, just because, granted, a seven-up morale is still – you might want to throw them in there to make them super uh, defensive, but – I think like Brett's idea with the assault vet is a lot more viable now. Um, or even, uh, you know, if you weaken your opponent and they can't knock off full rank from you, I think it was just recently clarified that uh, it is minus one per rank and plus one per rank. So if you can't knock off a full unit, uh, rank of these guys, you're going to take a panic at minus three and plus three. So that assuming uh, panic is changing in some other way. Um, you're looking at D3 plus four, or let's say it, the rumor of just D3 is right. It's still D3 plus three, um, or some some other combination. Either way, it's you're going to be taking a ton of damage from this ability. What do you think, Brett? Well, it seems like they kind of zeroed in and said, you know, the Lannister Guardsmen are going to do damage with Lannister Supremacy. It's kind of always been the way that it worked, but you're taking some of the math out of the equation. Uh, I've seen a lot of guys throw the High Sparrow on a unit of Guardsmen just to be able to trigger Lannister Supremacy multiple times. I think they're stronger. They're better. Um, But there's some counterplay. You can go in there, get the order out of the way, uh, send in your high morale units like your berserkers, go in there and uh, maybe they want to save the order for a follow-up attack, then you don't have to follow up attack, then you avoided it altogether. So there's an element of strategy for both players. Um, They can trigger it when they want to. You can try to get them to trigger it when you want to. So uh, it's interesting. I like them. It'll be good to see them. They, they're they not super common in the meta right now because most people are just taking poor fellows uh, because panic is just so important. So it's really nice to see that, that panic mechanism work its way back into the Lannister army. Um, you know, they I would assume that the Lannister focus is going to be panic damage and control. So it'll be interesting to see what else comes out for them and to see if Cersei remains the terror that she is, um, because you could be looking at a minus five with Cersei involved. Uh, And then with Hume Roar, it could be a minus eight. That's pretty rough. Pretty rough. That's it, basically. Their their attack profile, they were never going to just beat you up with their attack. They were always going to get you with Lannister Supremacy. Now, They'll still get you. It's a little more reliable. It's a little more flexible. But that's still going to be the source of their damage. You dwindle them down to one rank, uh, it's not really that powerful. Uh, at two ranks, it's 
basically what it is now with the caveat of extra wounds, but it's the full rank. So I think you're going to see people trying to take the crown to get rid of um, any guard captain's orders or to try to shoot uh, or try to peel a rank off of them before they attack. So there's some elements of, uh, of surprise there. And now vicious actually, if they're not bringing a guard captain is going to be a really, really, really important tool for getting through these guys. So maybe you'll start seeing berserkers with the umber champion again. It's a build I've always really liked, but you just don't see it. So maybe now they'll have more incentive to bring the umber champion to get through some of the uh, worse morale. Yeah, I guess I'm just, I hope I'm wrong. I just, I'm super worried that uh, your list, you know, really well with the uh, Lannisters, you could be looking at a super defensive list that you're not going to be able to really attack because Lannister supremacy is going to just be too, it's going to just hurt you too much if they're able to weaken you with a bunch of stuff with like Pycelle and Tywin and, you know, and make sure that uh, in a lot of units going to four up to hit, uh, you know, with less dice, you know, if you can't get through even a rank of these guys, the chances are you're probably failing your panic test at a minus three uh, with most things. And uh, even if it is just D3, on, let's say on the better side of things, D3 plus three, and let's say you roll average, you're taking five wounds as a reactive ability. And if they have a guards cap, like if you charge them and they have a uh, assault vet, they're hitting you with eight dice on threes. Uh, I don't know. I just, I'm like I said, I hope I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just uh, thinking worst case scenario here, but I think uh, a really smart Lancer uh, player is going to be able to build really good lists around this ability to make sure that you're going to not want to attack them. But then again, if you have assault vets and everything, you're going to have to, because they're going to charge you. Uh, and then every round after that, they're going to be able to trigger the, the vet. I have a feeling bonus attack dice are going to be hard to come by. Just a guess. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Um, it's, it's hard to say. You never know. It might go down to like, you know, plus one to hit plus one die or something, or, you know, who knows? Um, but I'm just as is, uh, until we see more, I'm worried, uh, a little, it's not like the end of the world worried. I'm just, it's one of those, uh, kind of big road bumps that you're really going to have to wrap your brain around how to work around this ability. Uh, I do have to say I am a little disappointed that it still works on ranged. I'm guessing because it still works on ranged with the new version that mm -hmm. that's what they always meant it to be. And I guess, you know, I just, it's a matter of different opinion. I just don't like that it works on ranged uh, personally, just because ranged uh, already have such bad morale that it always bothered me that it was basically a guaranteed you'd take wounds, uh, the old version and this version. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's well, where they're bringing all the units to be balanced, I'm quite interested to see what or if something happens to Stark Fury, because I wonder, because obviously I, I feel this Lannister, Lannister supremacy is better than the last Lannister, Lannister supremacy, so 
I'm quite looking forward to seeing what they can do with the other sort of similar abilities from other units. So maybe that Stark uh, Fury will help us to kind of crack through the armour a bit, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to playing against these Lannister guys because they do terrify me. I think having to take a panic test at minus three with an additional plus three wounds on it, I mean, that is getting work done. That is really getting work done. I mean, as Brett knows, I can't pass from Raoul's test to save my life anyway, but uh, <laughs> this just scares me even more. <laughs> that looks so bad. Yeah, it'd be cool if they implement something that can, uh, a lot more things, or maybe like a, a neutral something, maybe an NCU that can like shut off, like you expend an order token from an NCU to shut off a unit's order for the round or something. I don't know. Uh, mm. I think if there's more ways to prevent the order from happening, then it won't be as big of a deal. Uh, but if there isn't a lot of answers to it, then like I said, I think with th- people getting less attack dice, them hitting on worse. Um, and if a Lannister player really builds your list around making sure you can't put the damage through, the ability is going to be pretty oppressive. So, but like I said, I hope I'm wrong. I, I, there's, we're only seeing part of the picture and there's so much more. I'm sure that they're going to release, you know, if they're releasing like two articles a week, uh, I'm sure there's a ton more to come. So, uh, everyone, you know, just, I guess, stay a lot more optimistic than I am <laughs> at the moment. But, hey. You know, he's looking at the tabletop from the from the shelf right now, saying, "It's my time. It's my time." Zors Riders. Oh yeah. Zors Riders yeah. won't have to deal with Lance. Zors Riders shouldn't have to deal with horrific visage. I'm just saying. They're looking at the field. They want you to bring them. <laughs> Except for you could at five points just run an army of guardsmen and then you would never get a flank. Well, I guess I guess maybe things you know winter is coming. If we don't see a change to that, I, I presume we may do. But at least that that can switch the order off, can it? Is that what it does. Yep. Or no? Yeah, I think so. It's been a while since I've played my Starks. Anyone that doesn't know, I played all the armies, even though Starks is my favorite and tournament go-to. Uh, I probably played them the least in just casual games. Uh, but, mm. yeah, it's been a while since I've played and uh, Winter is Coming. <laughs> One of the best cards in the game, my friend. Yeah, no it's card very good. Order. Can't tell you how many times I've, uh, I've had... Uh, I had one game where I had Blackfish in... Um, some uh, uh, dervishes, and they I got charged with halberdiers, and I played set for charge, and then used the order to retreat immediately, and then I charged back into him on my action, and then played Winter is Coming, so he couldn't use his uh, set for charge or whatever it's called. Yeah, put an oath. So. He's like, I just can't. I'm not allowed to attack you, I guess. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so we can uh, move on to the last unit here, which is Pyromancers. Let me just take a very quick second to 
move off of the guardsmen here and pull up the original or the current pyromancers. So they have the same movement. They have the same save. They have one better morale. They still have a ranged and melee attack. Um, their uh, current form is 653 for both melee and ranged, and their new form is 774. So they've gone up one at max rank, two at uh, middle rank, or at second rank, and one more at final rank. I think these guys just from that have gotten so much better. Um, they've also before had, um, let's see, vicious and defenders don't get defensive saves. Uh, that's the same, but, um, their, their, uh, melee and their new version, their melee and range attack are identical. There's no difference anymore. Uh, whereas before the melee had the, um, added effect that, um, for every one you roll, each player takes one auto wound, uh, whereas now it's only the attacker, so the pyromancers, will take a wound if you roll one, which I think is a, a really great change. I always thought it was a little weird that uh, you could basically make them auto hit with a vet, you know, get them hitting mm -hmm. on two up, and then even if you roll one, so it was just like, you take this many. And let's just see how many I take. <laughs> so um, definitely a great change. But they also then added and gave them a horrific visage, or uh, horrific visage, 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 however you want to say it. Um, each time an enemy performs a melee attack on this unit before resolving the attack, the enemy suffers one panic test with minus one to the roll for each remaining rank in this unit. So uh, Horrific Visage has changed. Before it was uh, you just take a straight-up panic test with no negative unless somehow you influenced him otherwise. But uh, And horrific, horrific Visage just wasn't pulling its weight, in my opinion. I can't tell you how many times I went, you know, I ran Blackguard and Horrific Visage would almost never do any damage to my opponent. I always felt like it was, uh, you know, fairly useless ability. Um, but now with that change, I mean, it's uh, sort of the opposite of Supremacy in the sense that it is uh, before the attack happens. Um, so, uh the first time the Pyromancers get attacked with a melee. Uh, so pretty much if you don't have a ranged unit, they're going to get a horrific visage at the max value right away, which is a minus three. So a lot of things are six up morale if you're talking like uh, better side of the average because a lot of things are six or seven. You're looking at a nine or better panic test. So um, granted, if... Uh, panic goes down to D3 that means you won't lose a rank so it's not like you're going to run in and then you know a rank's going to melt but if it does stay the same that could be big uh, rolling a 3 and then losing a rank before ever attacking and ever really having a say that in Horrific Visage is not in order uh, which is another upside to uh, for it compared to Lannister Supremacy. Now it doesn't add the extra wounds like Lannister, Lannister Supremacy does, so it, there is that. So it depends how you look at it. I think 
as a whole, they're about just as good as each other in different ways. Um, so I think that makes the Pyromancers that much more survivable, having that six-up save or six-up morale, sorry, and then having the horrific visage. Uh, it can make these guys pretty devastating. I would have to assume, though, uh, Brett, you are probably right that the vet is probably going to get changed because, uh, I mean, these guys sitting on twos with nine dice, I think, would be absolutely broken. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a stinger. So, yeah, exactly. Like, because you, they would have to kill off two ranks because you go, it's seven, seven, four. So, um, even if they charge you, they're probably failing the visage. Let's say they're still at full ranks. A lot of things are going to four up to hit with less dice, you know, probably seven dice. The chance, and now with their better morale, chances that you're going to wipe out two full ranks is not that high. So, yeah, uh, I can't imagine the vet is going to stay the same. So, curious what they'll change yep. it to. I wonder if they uh, just kind of weaken him. But even if they weaken him to what I was mentioning before, plus one hit and plus one die, I think that's still too much when you combine it with the potential of this unit. Hmm. Give me Jamie the Young Lion for the win. Nine seven seven. Well, we, yeah. Uh... But he won't have <laughs> yeah. the plus one to hit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I like the changes to this unit. I really like the changes to Horrific Visage. I think that's really going to pull some weight now, especially when you we assume that's going to stay on things like Hollows of Bone. Um, it, you know, it, it, it takes even unsullied from a you know, if, presuming they're on, on full rank it takes unsullied to a leadership seven it takes them to the same morale value as a bloody mama skirmisher so um, yeah, I think, I think that's, a, that's a really good change this is a really powerful change but it does give those pyromancers a lot of defense yeah, uh, and... yeah. I, mean, I thought I thought they were great before um they're just even better now. Mm. Uh, they they basically got buffed, you know, in two different ways. More attack dice, uh, horrific visage. Well, three. More attack dice, horrific visage, better morale. Um, I cannot believe that there are players who legitimately think that the change to the one makes this a nerf. These guys <laughs> are not nerfed. In any yeah. way, shape, or form, they are buffed across the board. Yeah. Um, well, the funny thing was, I thought they were amazing as they currently are. I mean, I know exactly. not a lot of people were running them, but I know Brett. Uh, I've po- I've shown you my one of my best Lancer lists, and it has two of them. It's the, the Mountain Brothers Commander. <laughs> it's the Mountain uh, Commander in Pyromancers with. Gregor, or sorry, Gregor, uh, um, Sandor, um, giving in another unit of them. So now I have two Pyromancers, both as House Clegane, one having auto D3 with a panic te- or a panic token when I charge, and then the other one having cut them down. And then I have Mountains Men, Mountains Men, and a Cutthroat, all just uh, with no attachment. And then I have Circe uh, and Pycelle. And, you know, these guys were already, in my opinion, amazing. Uh, and now, I mean, I feel like these guys, just with no attachment, are so good 
that we're probably going to see a ton of changes to a lot of the attachments in Lannisters. I could only imagine because the combo with a lot of things with their current, what we're seeing on this card, I think puts them way over the top. I think, you know, they're going to have to curb so many different things uh, in my opinion, because even cut them down, put these guys horrific visage, visage is going to be uh, adding plus two wounds to that. So you could have that charge and then have a minus three on the roll or on the test. And then let's say it's even D three plus two on average, you lose a rank before they ever got attacked. Mm. So I don't know. I, I think a lot of things have to change. Uh, or otherwise, these guys are going to be, like, must-takes. What do you guys think? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think they're great. Great. Get into the realm of must-takes. They're okay. Let's not oversell it, all right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think they're good. I think they're really good, unit, and I think you're right. I think there are certain attachments that are going to make these, well, centre battle line, aren't they? They just you won't be able to get rid of them. Um, but there, they've also said that the factions getting their own identities, and we can assume that damage output isn't going to be Lannister's one. So maybe there is some big changes coming for their attachments. I hope so, because oh, they've not ever played Brett again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine these guys uh I don't know, maybe it was on purpose. Maybe this unit was one of the four units they spoiled if, you know, assuming there's more. Uh because it was like a teaser to show, hey, look, a lot more must be coming cuz I'm pretty con- you know, they've made it pretty clear that they want the potential of just one-shotting things to go away and mm-hmm. Any sort of buff to these guys for anything less than like making them a ten point unit, nine point unit to like two, three point attachments, uh, it would just be nuts. Uh, you know, any one point attachments not going to be able to buff these guys without making them way too powerful for their point costs. I think. I think these guys are going to arguably be from what we what we have and what we've seen the best seven point unit in my opinion. Hmm. You know, as as is. I mean, obviously, once things come out, you'll have to you'll have to reevaluate that opinion. But uh, I mean, this is just so much damage output because it's still they don't allow defensive saves. So um, uh, you're really going to have to have, you know, something like the Stagnites where they have the resilience order to have everything because the, even though it's no defensive saves, they could still have that since it's not auto wounds, but yeah, I mean, granted now you're going to be taking uh, wounds to yourself uh, a lot more often weakening these guys, I think is going to be a key way to get around them. Cause if you can weaken them and get a bunch more ones rolled uh, and just start having them kill themselves, that's, that's a possibility. Um, uh, bloody murmur, mummer skirmishers would be pretty decent against them, making them hit on fours. Uh, let's see, agile attackers suffer. Man, that's even for ranged attack for agile. Yep. Man. So yeah, skirmishers could be like a perfect answer for these guys, and they're one point less. 
making these guys hit on fours, making them weakened, and you know constantly make them have to roll ones and kill themselves. Granted, mm-hmm. I guess they wouldn't be a direct counter, um, just because uh, they don't. Um, what should I call it? Uh, uh, their morale is a seven up, so um, the horrific visage is really going to take its toll on them. But uh, but yeah, I think think it's a decent one, a decent counter. Yeah, I think I think I've been sitting here trying to work out the best counter for him. I think it's got to be three dragons with mother dragon on it. Yeah, tactical, tactical. Yeah, I'd say if anything, these guys. Long range shooting. Mm. Yep. They're six plus. Ten. Yeah, because I mean you'll get. Well, and that's the one one downside to the vis, uh, her, horrific visage to supremacy is this only uh, horrific visage uh, only works on melee, so shooting these guys will get around that, um, and uh, help you out there, especially long range. Because then uh, you could shoot from 12 away, and they would—they're only going to move five towards you, even if you give them a free maneuver five, and then um, shift two. They're barely going to be in range to shoot you back. Uh, so I think long range will definitely be a, a great counter to these guys. So here's a question for you: Do you think that we're we're being pushed to take more long range units? Because obviously the bloody mama skirmishers got counter strike. Um, obviously, these guys with horrific visage and how powerful that is, and the you know, Blackguard have got that. The Floors of Bone have got that. Do you think we're being pushed to take longer unit, long-range units to sort of deal with that? I think it's a push for more balanced lists. Um, mm. I think I don't. I, if I, I would say that they probably want you to build a list with whatever you want, but um, I think everything needs to be considered and. You know, um, at current, you, I guess you're starting to see them a little bit more, but you just don't see a whole, whole lot of long-range units being played. Mm. You're seeing them a little more, but it's still not overly common. Uh, Starks have one of the best long-range units in the game. Uh, a lot of people don't use them, don't even bother with them. Um, nobody really runs Stormcrow Mercenary archers. But all of these provide at least some tools to dealing with them. Uh, you don't want those. <laughs> you don't want Stormcrow archers shooting Lannister guardsmen. I don't think. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, n- not even Darren Harris pays enough for that. No, <laughs> no, no, not for that. They just they shoot into them, brush it off, and then they just piss off. Just run away. Clock off early. Yeah, it's. I think. Uh, I think they're probably pushing towards at least people running a unit of them. And, you know, because I definitely don't see the game going to like you know, all ranged or like, even like spamming a bunch of ranged, uh, you know, all over the place. But I think uh, it'll be healthy if the game pushes to 
make players run, you know, one ranged unit at least to kind of have that option. Because I can't tell you how many times, you know, if I'm playing and I have one ranged unit and my opponent doesn't have any, uh, second turn is a big deal because nothing's engaged usually, and I can take that free attack uh, before they can, especially if I decide to go first, uh, get like the mail, get some cards, and then they go first on turn two and can't take advantage of it. They either have to cover it and waste it or let me take it. And then starting turn three, uh, when things are finally engaged, I can then take it and then, you know, kind of just uh, control that combat zone for a lot a lot longer than my opponent can if they don't run a ranged unit. Hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I've been in that spot, you know. It's like, man, uh, you know, I can't uh, – I can't take the swords because I don't have a ranged unit of my own. I don't really want to take the sword uh, and just waste it, you know, unless I've got sudden charge uh, orders to destroy or something like that, or if you're running Peter Baelish. But Peter Baelish isn't really that common either. So uh, you can put them in a situation where they're, they're kind of wasting it. I know when I first started playing um, – to get into a lot of starts, they weren't really running Bowman. I was running Peter Baelish and Crossbowman, and yeah, starting in round two, you know, I could go Peter Baelish to the crown or wherever I wanted to go, Peter Baelish to the bag, take the sword, and then they had to react by claiming the swords themselves and doing nothing a lot of the time. Yep, I've uh, just, what is today, Sunday, so yesterday I played a game against a friend and I ran a Tyrion list, and, you know, my NCUs were uh, Pycelle and uh, Peter. I uh, Second round, I take the mail with Peter to block the heal to then take the range attack to shoot with the crossbowman, and then um, they uh, they took the mail in order to get some cards. I then take... Uh, Picel on the attack, shoot again. I then shoot with the unit. I then play Cunning Ploy with Tyrion to activate the mountain that rides in order to shoot with them again. Uh, because, you know, it being turn two, I knew he had the the speed to kind of get back into the fight later in the game uh, rather than, you know, choosing one of my other units. But, you know, the amount of times you can kind of manipulate uh, the free attack, especially if you have Stormcrow mercenaries, you know you could get that free attack with the uh, with the money too. If you're running like three NCU's, you could take uh, like Pycelle on the money, get the free attack. You could take then Peter on uh, the crown to do the free attack, and then you could take your third NCU on the combat zone to get another free attack, uh, and then finally activate. So ranged units are definitely, I think, uh, maybe not as much anymore on Tabletop Simulator, uh, but in person, I think, are definitely uh, undervalued from what I've experienced. Yeah, and I, I had something similar happen against you know, Lannister Crossman. Uh, I think I actually messaged Brett after the game and said, who agreed that Lannister Crossman could take machine guns to, to medieval warfare? <laughs> <laughs> That's really crazy. He, he just he done about, about four rounds of shooting onto the um, unsullied Soulmasters, and there was just one guy left at the end of it. 
<laughs> so we can uh what are you gonna say, Brett? I just said bringing Uzis to a sword fight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree. So I think we can move on to uh the Taxus cards. There's only one for each faction previewed. Uh kind of go through um i think the uh least uh you know go from the least interesting in my opinion to like the most interesting i think uh the least interesting off off the bat is probably swift reposition for the targaryens it's start of any turn target one friendly combat unit it shifts two inches if you control the maneuver that unit performs a three inch maneuver in action instead so do Targaryens have uh um what's that called uh uh swift advance? No. Okay. They've got so I wonder Okay, so I wonder I don't know, this seems like a worse version of Swift uh Swift Advance. So I wonder if this is possibly replacing it because I couldn't. I can't understand why they would have this card. Be in my and it, granted, this is start of any turn, so it's not when you activate. Uh, so you could play it on your opponent's turn to move two, like two away or three away if you have the maneuver zone to kind of like prevent a charge or move out of your opponent's line of sight. So there is some usefulness there, but I just see that swift advance is so much better than this card. So I wonder if maybe. This is a reincarnated Swift Advance? I hope not. Well, there's, but... two, there's two things. Swift Advance only works on inventory. Swift Reposition works on everything. Uh, it's not limited to infantry, so it's uh, cavalry, dragons, you know, anything else that they might have, Solo Jora, uh, any other neat little toys that they might end up with, it'll work on them. Uh, but with that said... I hope that I scare some of our Stark listeners, but my working theory at the moment is faction identity, faction focus. Uh, uh, maybe Starks are losing Swift Advance. Hmm. I I could potentially see it. Um, you know, because Starks, I think it's ingrained in our brain that Starks are supposed to be very fast because, you know, we've been playing what, three years now with Starks, and they're just very fast. But really, uh-huh. are they fast? Like, are they supposed to be fast in the books? Like, are they the super maneuverable, fast army? So I could definitely see that. Uh, and I wouldn't be too upset by it because, you, know, uh, you know, I'm sure whatever it got replaced with would be, you know, probably pretty good as well. Um, but yeah, your point about this card definitely. Uh, I think, I think overall, I think it's about as strong as Swift Advance. Then, just because this one gives you so much um, uh, option, so many options and little things you can do with it, whereas Swift Advance is a, a lot more uh, straightforward and very strong in doing a certain thing, whereas Swift Reposition really gives you a bunch of different things you can do f- with it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, because uh, Michael said in one of these uh, Visions of Flames, or it might have been in the Q&A, that they're taking away the free action, taking away 
the ability to be able to do stuff for free. And I think where this is now reduced to a three-inch manoeuvre or a two-inch shift, it's taken away your ability to be able to move seven inches with berserkers. So I think, I, I, I think I'm tend to agree with Brett there. I think it, it, we could be looking at this being replaced, uh, also replacing Swift Advance. It takes away the free manoeuvre and just gives you that little three-inch manoeuvre. Which yeah. still can make a big difference. Let's assume that this is still in, this is the remake of Swift Advance and it's in uh, Stark still. Three inches, if you because you already want the maneuver zone, uh, you could take the maneuver zone, which I'm assuming the tactics board isn't changing, which is still a six-inch maneuver, and then now. At the very, you could do it back to back because you could go activate whatever NCU, take the maneuver zone, maneuver six inches, and then okay, start of your enemy turn, swift reposition, three more. Mm. Yeah. So you could essentially nine inch nine inches all in one go, uh, essentially. Mm. And you still haven't activated. So you could go nine inches out of the line of sight and then uh, face your opponent and now be looking at their flank. And now as their activation, they have to turn to face you or something. They got to run away or, I mean, they don't have many good options in a lot of cases at that point. Mm. I think it's a good card. I think a lot of people are sleeping on it, you know, from the reactions that I've seen, uh, it's definitely very strong and it's flexible. So yeah, I have to say the more we talk, yeah, the more we talk about it, I definitely kind of change in my mind slowly, little by little. Cause uh, again, assuming it's still in the Stark, if this is a replacement and it's in the Stark deck, uh, you know, it gives a little more cause you want the maneuver and the combat zone for Starks. Uh, the combat zone's obvious, you know, it's free attack. You know, you're always going to want to take that. The maneuver zone for me as a start, if I want to take it over like the the money, or the wealth to heal, or even heal and block a heal, out, you know, because the last thing I want to do is take the free combat zone attack just so my opponent can heal, if they haven't already done that as the reaction. Anyways, so the maneuver zone was always kind of a, an afterthought, depending on if I really needed it to trigger a combo. Something like this just gives more reason to want to take it, whereas with Swift Advance, you know, its added effects for having the maneuver zone is nice, but it wasn't always that situation where you had to have it. Like the extra inch only came in handy, very, you know, a couple of cases. So, yeah, the more we talk about it, I definitely like this card a lot. Yeah, and I think part that I really like about it is the start of any turn as well. I think the fact they've changed it to that, I think is good because it can be used defensively. I really, really like that. Yep. Um, let's see. So next we can talk about sustained assault uh, for the Baratheons. When a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before you're rolling your attack dice, if this unit began the turn engaged with the defender, it rolls its highest attack value. If the defender has more remaining ranks than the attacker, the defender becomes vulnerable. So essentially if you're it almost encourages you wanting to get charged because when they charge into you, let's say they take a rank off of you, you're at two ranks and now they're at three ranks for when you attack back. Um, 
this is going to allow you to still attack at your highest value while making them vulnerable. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, is there, did they say what this is replacing? The, uh, Baratheons? No. I would almost they assume didn't. this might replace ours is the fury. It seems similar in a, in a way. Uh, maybe hold the line. I could see that too, because hold the line uh, is giving you is like the assault vet giving you those extra dice and better to hit. So maybe they're trying, you know, like they said already that they're trying to reduce the amount of dice and whatnot. So I could definitely see hold the line as well. Uh, I would be I would gladly see either of those two cards kind of go away. And they're trying. Uh, I wonder if they're trying to. They might take away. Uh, Hours of the Fury possibly for the just reducing the number of free attacks because I think that kind of also plays into being able to um, not not necessarily one shot because Hours of the Fury is a reaction but Hours of the Fury I can't tell you how many times that card has allowed for like a one two punch you know you get charged you play Hours of the Fury attack and then you take the free attack and then if they haven't died by then you still have a third attack so I wonder if I don't know. I could see either one kind of going. Yeah, I've I've eaten Baratheon combos more than a couple of times. Ours is the Fury into Stag's Resilience while controlling the letters into an attack or um, hold the line. Yeah, it can get pretty nasty. Um, that's why I just try not to engage Baratheon. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's what you have to do. Like I, I play like a little girl. Shoot them. Like, hey, I'm going to go kill my one unit of warden and take my lead, get my activation advantage, and now I'm just playing the mission because I'm not, I'm just not playing into your game. I'm not going and engaging your rose knight. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not falling for that. <laughs> I've had it, had it happen too many times. I will always tell this story uh, about my game against uh, Grusalug, who is uh, Craig Norick. I flank charged his Rose Knight with Tully Cavaliers. And by the time he was done with uh, Renly's Mega Heal card, ours is the Fury, and then Stag's Resilience and the follow-up attack, his Rose Knights were fully healthy and my Tully Cav were dead. (laughs) I charged you and I died. That's how that went. So ever since then, I was like, no, not unless I am a thousand percent sure that I can deal with them right now. I'm not doing it. I'm not going in there. <laughs> and I can just imagine reduce the attack profiles. It'll just be so much harder to get through them. And then they're just like, oh, thank you so much for engaging me and giving me all of my best cards. <laughs> thank you so much. And I guess the thing is that sustained assault, it can be used with things like um, as the Fury, right? It's different trigger. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it can be used at, at current. Uh, what's the trigger on it, Dave? Is it when a unit activates? It's before rolling attack dice. No, so it can be so used as hold the line as it stands. Yeah, right it's now. like a hold line. Yeah, it's like an attack activate. buff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So well, any... yeah, and it, it, now they've got an active attack card that they can use when they charge. So that's something that they've lacked, and that's cool for them. Wait, hold on. 
Uh, can they charge Breffins? Or, I've never seen it happen. I, you know, I, other than counter charge, I didn't think they could either. I thought it was against the rules. <laughs> against the law. <laughs> oh, only Bolton Bastard Girls and uh, Ray Lore Faithful are allowed to charge you, I think. It's in the rule book, actually. <laughs> if you look, you'll find it. It's in the Baratheon rule book. No, it's nasty is with this card is uh, with the wording of it. When a friendly unit is throwing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, if this unit began the turn engaged, so let's say you uh, take take the free uh, combat uh, and attack and kill your unit and get a surge forth, you could then charge and use this card because you began the turn engaged. So now you, if you're at like two ranks, you could get full ranks with re-rolling dice and making the person you're charging vulnerable. It's a can opener. Hmm. Run that by me again, Dave. <laughs> so it says, if this if this unit began the turn engaged. Oh, no, okay. sorry. So turn, not round. Um, I was just playing a conquest, and they're opposite. They, their now, turn is around. I'm tracking you on that because they can kill you with Stag's Resilience and then turn around and charge you. Oh, and yeah, still get that you're right. Up. So, yeah, if, if you have some other way to do it and it's all in the same turn, you could use this card on the charge. So, yep. um, I don't know, maybe if something ends up getting, like, overrun, you could also do it. Uh, so, we'll see. But I'm sure it's going to be a very rare situation. It's not going to happen very often. But it is something to keep in no. mind. It's about as rare as the uh, Clegane Mountains men with the assault veteran, or your disgusting pyromancers in a Clegane list using the <laughs> assault veteran that they started the turn in, uh, engaged, and then they play overrun and they still get their two dice. Like sweet. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like you killed me. Yay! Now you're charging me, and you still have nine dice hitting on twos. Sweet. That was really fun. That was a fun turn. Game over. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when you play Gregor. It's like Feast or Famine. He's really fun, but, like, if you're on the – if somebody's got a lot of Gregor cards in their hand and stuff just starts lining up, it's like, okay, well, I'm glad you let me play today. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so, next, next up we have Winter's Might. Now, this one has been said that it is replacing Northern Ferocity. So this one is when a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack gains Sundering and may re-roll any attack dice. After completing the attack, the attacker suffers two wounds, minus one for each of its destroyed ranks. And if you control the combat zone, this attack also rolls rolls its highest attack value. So this card, replacing Northern Ferocity, uh, first first very quick glance, it seemed weaker. But it is by far stronger, in my opinion. Um, Because, uh, you know, if you're at last rank... Now you're not taking any wounds. You, if you take the combat zone, you're going to swing at, let's say, let's just say uh, the most common u- unit that I would always use Northern Ferocity on was Sworn Swords. So with Sworn Swords, you're basically giving Sundering 
because um, that part didn't change. Both cards gave Sundering. Um, but, you know, now you could be at last rank with... Uh, um, sorry, last rank with your Sworn Swords, giving them Sundering. You can then uh, Stark Fury, as long as that doesn't change or anything changes about them. Uh, so you'll have Sundering, Crit, Combat Zone, you're hitting at highest attack value, re-rolling all of your dice. So, and not taking any wounds from this card or Stark Fury. Yeah, they just turned into Charging Sworn Brothers. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm assuming they're going to lose a die because everyone seems to be losing one. So th- let's assume they have seven dice at uh, max ranks. You're looking at seven dice, hitting on threes with crit blow, sundering, re-rolls, uh, and not taking any wounds from any of your effects. So, yeah, <laughs> this card got they're so literally much better. Warn brothers opinion. that are charging them. But you bite your <laughs> tongue because Warn brothers are going to have eight dice. They're my favorite, one of my favorite units. Not probably not my favorite unit, but they're gonna have eight <laughs> dice. <laughs> Don't you bring that evil on me. <laughs> Your sworn brothers are going to hit on fours. <laughs> actually, that would have actually that would have been a really interesting change. Instead of making them seven points, was keep their old profile and just have them hit on fours. I would totally have still taken them for six points. Yeah, I, I need them to go back to six points because I own six units of them. And at seven points, I can't run them all. <laughs> <laughs> of course you have six units of them, Dave. Well, I have three starter do. boxes, so why not? <laughs> yeah, they're probably all painted, and you probably used to run units of them with Roos and Amon, didn't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm more scared that he's got three ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, you know what that why that is, right? I have them all <laughs> painted and then every time they would die but come back from uh it shall not end, I actually replace the model with the new model and then <laughs> go through each model. <laughs> each time getting slightly bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Just more bloody. Like uh, the one is like perfect white, then the other one has like blood on it from taking some damage, then the third one is just like covered in blood. <laughs> <laughs> it looks a little bit like Wiley Coyote holding up a white flag. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go. Someone needs to do a shirtless guard, John, for It Shall Not End. Like uh, <laughs> the, the dagger star. See, you need to put a little sign like on your uh, base for your ghost and just say, attack me, I dare you. <laughs> right. Yeah, or you yeah, make a zombie ghost. That could be a thing, too. <laughs> you activated my trap card. Have a little like <laughs> printed out version of uh, like a really tiny printed out version of It Shall Not End and have it just sticking in the snow in the in the base showing it like at your opponent like <laughs> oh god that card has made, made people hate it's probably made people quit the game altogether like in 1.4 just imagine how many people were just like I'm not I'm not even going to play this game because of this card <laughs> 
See, the key is charging Ghost with something you don't mind wasting an attack on just to kill him. So that way it's either, okay, I killed Ghost, or, okay, you played that card when I used it on a unit with an attack I didn't really care about. (laughs) What you don't want to do is tie up uh, Ghost with, like, an important unit because you're going to be there all game. (laughs) Yeah, basically. But... uh, uh, do you guys have anything else you wanted to add to Winter's Might? No, I just think, I mean, you nailed it. A lot of people are overreacting about this one as well, and they're like, oh, it's, this card's so much worse. Northern Ferocity was so flexible. Like, yeah, but, you know, um, you've got to keep in mind that this is one teased change. They've already indicated that every tactics deck got looked at. Like, they're not just picking on Stark. <laughs> you have to assume that some of these cards that were like uber, uber crazy strong, like this, the current Northern Ferocity can be like a game winner. It's like your opponent earned a victory. Like he destroyed you to the point that you just had uh, outriders with three wounds left. And then bam, they've got thundering, vicious, you're vulnerable, and they're already fast as hell. So. Like, look at all of the effects that you get from this card, uh, from Northern Ferocity. You've got to imagine that that some of these secondary effects are toned down. And it's not just them that I'm going to pick on. There's a lot of cards with, like, super strong secondary effects. Darks just, you know, happen to have some of the worst. <laughs> uh, sudden Charge giving a vulnerable token, Northern Ferocity, with what it does. Uh, it shall not end removing an activation token and keeping the unit alive. Like, you have to imagine that some of these are being toned down. So everybody just calm down, and we'll see what happens. Your favorite card's probably going to get changed because every card's probably getting changed. That's it, because my favorite card is It Shall Not End. Is it? No. That's a good card. But I'm going to keep <laughs> saying it just so they turn it down. Oh, <laughs> Now I understand. Don't play Night's nice Watch. <laughs> <laughs> little reverse psychology. Like, you're listening, Michael. Don't ever, ever, ever detune. It shall not end. It's my favorite card, so it should. Be, I use it all the time. It's brilliant. Just, just change all three of John's cards to "It shall not end." <laughs> Copy "It shall not end." Your opponent with like, I'm not even playing Night Watch today. I'm going to take a nap instead. <laughs> So uh, next up, uh, we have, let's see here, uh, which one? Uh, the neutral uh, tax card, which is malicious planning, or meticulous planning. It has two different effects. They're in their like own box uh, within the card. So the first one is at the end of the round, you can search your tactics deck for one commander card and add it to your hand, then shuffle your tactics deck. Or the other effect is, at the start of any turn, if you control the mail, you can search your tactics deck for one commander tactics card and add it to your hand, then shuffle your tactics deck. So basically, uh, it's only useful at the end of the round, but if you can take the mail, you can pretty much do it right away uh, or at the start of the very next turn. Um, I think, because uh, they did, uh, I think in the article, talk about uh, they're trying to focus the neutral uh, deck is going to focus on their commanders and their cards. And so 
it will really help uh, this card will really help you get those key commander cards to really because the commander cards tend to be more powerful than a lot of the tactics deck maybe not more powerful than every card in the tech the gen, uh, generic tactics deck but generally more powerful so this card allowing you to china uh, to pretty much get uh, the commander cards way quicker is pretty nice um, I almost wish that it had another uh, another effect in case you just already have your commander cards um, because it only allows you to search the tactics deck and not the discard pile. What do you guys think? There's a meticulous plan. Isn't isn't there uh, another faction have that? That's man. It's a man's card. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I like the fact that it's, it's, it's you're always going to be able to use it, whether it's at the end of the round or the start of any turn, providing uh, you control the letters. Um, it's hard to have an opinion on this until we've seen the commander cards. If the commander cards are as as good as I think they're going to be, I think this is going to be a really strong card. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's I, really good. I, I yeah, like. I think it really, really depend on what uh, commander cards are coming out. Uh, otherwise, the only one that this really pops out and shines with in my opinion is uh ramsey like going and getting um whatchamacallit granted if it doesn't change um uh cruel methods at the start of the round because this will happen at the end of the round you can go grab it and then immediately starting next round play cruel methods Mm. that's exactly the thing that popped into my head essentially you know you can attack from last then get the card the next turn, if you're going first, you can attack twice before the game has even kicked off. I think it'd be really a powerful combo with that card. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Rusi's got some cards that I really like. Um, a really clutch calculated cruelty could be really good. Um, a really clutch blade man has no secrets. Uh I promise nobody's going to dig for fear keeps the man alive, though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wonder if... uh, What are you saying? I said in the realm of things that will never happen, that is towards the top of the list. (laughs) Well, I wonder if maybe changing the second ability to be like... So the first ability, keep the same. In other rounds, you search text for any one commander's card and add it to your hand. Uh, maybe like the second ability just simply be if you control the mail at the end of the round, you can search your tactics deck or discard pile. That way it still has the same end of round trigger, but if you had the mail that round, you can go get and reuse a commander card. That way if you draw meticulous uh, planning at, let's say both of them are like middle to bottom of the deck and you draw them like late game, you know, they'll have you know, they'll be a lot more usable throughout the entirety of the game rather than hoping you draw these cards quick. Another one that's popped into my head is if we, if you were to be using Daro Naharis, you can pull out the forced march at the end of the round. Yep. So you know if you're activating first next round, 
you know, you can make that false march. You, you can basically set yourself up for that blank charge. Now you're just speaking nonsense. Nobody runs Dario. <laughs> he will be good one day. A Dario Targaryen. Dario's really fun. He's really fun. I ran his Night's Watch for, for a while. I couldn't wait for him to, to you know, drop. I, and I didn't get my neutral hero too because I was so excited to play him with Night's Watch. So I have a, uh, a, uh, a question I'm sure um, <laughs> after hearing a, a, a podcast that Michael Chennault did a long time ago, um, I'm sure he'll love this question. So if you were to play Forced March, could you then ask your opponent to physically put the weakened token on your unit so that you could then play Mercenary's Cunning to remove that condition token because you're opponent is the one that placed it on the unit. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> what, what's a Christmas this, present? <laughs> well, this goes back to the people, you know, talking about uh, can't re-roll a re-roll. So, like, if you re-rolled your dice for a charge, you couldn't then expend uh, a weakened token to make them re-roll because you've already physically picked up the dice and re-rolled them. Yeah, that's a long time ago. That <laughs> oh, it was. <laughs> I had to uh, do a little research on um, where I found a ruling. Not that necessarily his podcast, uh, I know it's pretty much if there, you know, it's one of those, if there is, if it's not in the FAQ or Reddit or anything, it's the next best thing, sort of. So I had to go back to that uh, um, podcast to listen through the whole thing to find the, the ruling on one of the things that he talked about. But it just popped in my, my head because I was thinking, well, what if you already have Force March or Cunning and you use Meticulous Planning to get the other one? And then <laughs> you could just combo them to take away that weakened token. But I know, <laughs> I'm just joking. It's. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, meticulous planning is definitely a good card. Uh, I think it could be better and more universally usable if it changed the second ability a little bit. But uh, I think this might go to say that neutral um, commanders' tactics cards are going to be really good uh, compared to other commanders. Um, but you're going to see their cards shine better with the neutral deck when you have cards like this that can search it. And I'm sure there's going to probably be other ones that do something. I don't know. But uh, if he, if they're saying that, uh, uh, let's see, neutrals with their uh, – with their personality and play styles are getting a direct focus on their commanders whose cards more than any other faction synergize specifically with the units they are, uh, they prefer running as a result, uh, generic, uh, neutral cards have a greater focus on the singular personality and the benefits surrounding them. So, yeah, I think their cards are going to be really good, but they're probably going to be like, hyper-focused for, let's say, uh, Roos and Ramsey are going to be like all these awesome effects for a Bolton unit, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you're really going to want to get those cards, but they're going to be harder to get. So like running Ramsey in another faction could still be really good, but 
you're going to have to run some more Boltons in that list than you're probably going to like. Um, and you're not going to be able to tutor for it the way you would in a neutral deck because you, you wouldn't have meticulous planning. So something to keep in mind, I suppose. Um, if you guys didn't have anything else, we can move on to the next one. Uh, Night's Watch, the light that brings the dawn. When a friendly unit is performing an attack before rolling attack dice, uh, the attack may reroll any misses. If this targeted a Night's Watch unit, attach this card to that unit until the end of the game. While attached, when attacking enemies with more remaining ranks, this unit's attack roll their highest attack value. So I'm going to say it right off the bat, I'm pretty positive this will probably replace Soar in the Darkness. And the only reason I say that is because Night's Watch is like a toolbox deck, so I can't imagine this being alongside Sword in the Darkness. What do you guys think? Uh, I, I agree. So I think if, if Sword in the Darkness exists as well as this card, you know, combining them, them two together will be, be well, brutal. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Highest attack dice plus two attack dice, yeah, it'd be pretty rough. Um, if you hold the souls, they also become uh, vulnerable at the same time. It's crazy. Well, another thing to note is that uh, I believe I forget where it's mentioned. I think in the thing that vows uh, no longer have a limit, like for a unit. Yep. Let's oh. see. Right. So you well, can have as many vows on one unit as you want, and. If you notice this vow in particular, I'm assuming it's probably going to happen to all of them. It doesn't tell you you need any spot to activate it. It literally just says when attached, they now attack at their highest value. When you have uh, less, well, it doesn't say when you have less, but it says when your enemy has more. So I wonder if they're all going to not require spaces anymore but they're going to have other stipulations like this one for example requires your opponent to have more ranks than you so uh so yeah i wonder if they're going to go to that which would be very interesting because um the funny thing is is that you know night's watch having uh, all these vows that require a different spot on the board a lot of times didn't really make a difference the night's watch just always went for uh, attack and um, uh, wealth, you know, free combat and uh, the wealth zone for heal. I mean, granted, there's obviously other situations where you took other ones, especially if you're running three NCUs, but you never were gunning for them usually. So um, I think this is to kind of take away from that. Um, so it's no longer the taxes board. It's going to be important. Uh, in that aspect, so it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, and I sort of think as well. It, it, it makes it makes the Night's Watch more of a rounded elite army, not having to rely on stuff on the board. So I think it, it, you know it, this could affect any unit. Um, yeah, I, I quite like it. I think it's good. I think you know, having unlimited vows, it's going gonna, it's gonna to upset my wife, but. <laughs> I think it'll be uh it'll entice Night's Watch players to maybe take two NCU lists instead of three because they won't 
they might not need any spots on the board because it doesn't benefit them for anything. Maybe no tactics cards have any benefits on the board and they just have like on the table uh, situations and benefits like this one. And uh, if that's the case, then I can still definitely see three NCU lists, but I think it'll be less important, which allows more points to be spent on the field for your elite army. Uh, well, there you go, mate. There's your six units, Swarm Brothers. <laughs> That's 50 points. <laughs> what do you think, Brett? I think it's cool. I think it's flexible. Um, it's hard to really make any judgment on it, you know, until you see what the rest of the vows and everything look like. But uh, for the time being, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, we'll just have to see. <laughs> you I don't like seem thrilled that your sword in the darkness is gone. <laughs> well, that's fine. Um, I really liked the bow mechanic. I really did. Um, so we'll have to see. Did like past tense? Do <laughs> <laughs> I really? Oh, sorry. No <laughs> fairness. It is still a vowel mechanic. You just get a black pen and write a vowel at the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. All right, so I think we can probably move on. We got two more cards. Uh, try to wrap it up. Uh, Saving, in my opinion, the best for last. Uh, the next one we'll go with uh, is the subjugation of power uh, for the Lannisters. When an enemy combat unit activates... The enemy performs one morale test. For each zone you control among the crown and the wealth, they suffer minus two to their roll. So, for example, if you control both, they'll suffer minus four. Um, or if you control none, they would just take a base morale test. Uh, on a failure, until the end of the turn, they cannot be targeted by friendly tactics cards and lose all abilities. So... I mean, that's pretty awesome. Uh, combined with, like, uh, Tywin NCU, you could really uh, start screwing up your uh, your opponent's units. You know, sh- you know, even if you run, like, Walder, Tywin, and then now this card, like, you could... Or, sorry, I guess Walder changed, so I guess scratch that part. But still, Tywin and this card, um, this card really helps the fact that Walder is... Uh, no longer going to shut off abilities. Uh, it kind of gives you a little more supplemental uh, uh, way to shut off abilities, especially with those stagnites having the, the resilience order. Um, so, yeah, I think, granted, if you're going to do that, you're really going to want to get a minus four on them because I think they have a five-up morale. So even at a minus two, you're looking at 50-50. Um, Important thing to note, it does say morale test, so they aren't going to take any wounds uh, from it. Uh, but still, I think this card has a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think it's, um, it makes makes NCU Joffrey quite good, doesn't it? Because if you do put my money bags and they take it at minus four. Oh, yeah, definitely. I wasn't even thinking about that because I was thinking Peter... Uh, to kind of like take a spot that like the crown or, you know, take the wealth early, you know, cause then they're not really going to want the crown 
because they're not going to, I'm assuming, not going to know you have this card because taking the wealth isn't like that obvious because you already want the wealth. But then you could like Peter the crown to use another spot and then now have both. But yeah, I think Joffrey, as long as your uh, morale doesn't really suck, uh, like across the, your entire army, you know, running him might be the better plan. Like you were saying, just very first action on the turns, you go first and take the the wealth. And now you have both. Hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what, what Chenel said too, when he did a podcast uh, concerning Joffrey. Because for a while, people hated Joffrey, but if you've ever actually played against him, particularly in a Kingsguard list, uh, yeah, you'll find out very quickly that he's oof, he's real good. Um, Carl, uh, Carl Kirsten put on that 50-point event, and then wildcard Carl, uh, roll him if you got him. He ran this really unique Lannister list with Joffrey NCU, and he had, like, Selmy and Halberd, uh, Mirren Trant and Crossbows. Uh, I think he had Preston in the list and maybe one other Kingsguard, maybe. But it, it was tough. <laughs> it was a really tough list trying to get through all of those Kingsguards. So um, uh, that's a whole other subject. But I think the game in, in this meta in particular, in this version in 1.6, is better at 50 points. So when we get to the end of the show and I tell you my cool little announcement, I think, uh, I think I'm going to give some consideration to what I just said. So it'll all be relevant at the end of the show. So go ahead, Dave. Let's awesome. Let's move on to the next yeah. one. We're coming on two hours. We're, we're tying Grant up. <laughs> so coordinated <laughs> tactics for the free folk, my opinion, probably the most interesting and best of all the previewed, uh, tactics cards, which is awesome because, in my opinion, uh, the Free Folk Tactics deck uh, is very awkward at the moment. It just, you have too many situations where you need multiple units uh, engaged. Um, and this one uh, will help with that, assuming, you know, depending on how many of them change and what this one's replacing. But it's start of any turn, target two friendly infantry units in short range of each other. Until the end of the turn, both units gain any abilities on the other unit. You immediately trigger one unused uh, start of turn order on either of these units. So, uh, yeah, this uh, this allows you to get past the um, the order slash tactics card uh, timing event because says you may immediately trigger one unused start of turn order uh, on either of the units because normally you wouldn't be able to uh, because they have conflicting timing. So that's really a neat uh, thing that's on here. Another thing to important to note, it will also encourage you to kind of diversify your, um, uh, your list a lot more because uh, you, you don't want this to only be usable for, let's say, two units next to each other. Let's say you have like uh, Raiders next to um, the Bone Lord's Chosen or something. You don't want to have to hold this card waiting to use it on those two units. You know, if you have a, di a very diverse army all over the field, you'll be able to use this card pretty quickly. And one important thing to note, granted, you know, as long as nothing changes, 
uh, it's start of any turn. So you could do it at, at the start of your opponent's turn when they're about to kill your, let's say, uh, Bone Lord's Chosen, you know, your expensive unit. You can uh, have them gain the ability of a Raider unit to become insignificant. And now when they die, they don't give up a victory point. I thought that was one of the neatest uh, combos with this list that um, wasn't like super apparent off the get-go. What about you guys? Any uh, any combos kind of shine uh, that you guys have thought about? The, the one, the one that jumps to my mind is the the Warus Chieftain. So you got you could effectively have the Warus Chieftain in the unit of Raiders in the middle of the two other units in that situation where they're charging the bonals chosen, could they do they then take the Warriors Chieftain's order over to them so they get the like the giant rule? Yep. Yeah. So that's powerful, isn't it? That is really powerful. Yep. Now take it a step further and have a Warriors Chieftain in uh ten warriors. So now no charge flank rear bonus and having hit. Give my spear wives that are charging gang up. Then now they're charging and hitting on three. Um, give my whatever unit vicious from followers of bone. Give something vicious and cut them down uh, from bone lords chosen with rattle shirt uh, and prey on fear to heal themselves back up. A number, a number of really cool options. But like Dave said, it only works if you diversify your list. Um, mm. I guess technically you could steal hidden traps from from trappers next to you if you needed to trap something that was out of range from those trappers. It's kind of boring, but uh, <laughs> if you diversify the list, I, I think my favorite thing about this card is uh, it does nothing for skin changers, who are the most ridiculously overused, um, most ridiculously overused attachment in the free folk army. Um, but it does nothing because they can't gain the bear's ability. The wolf and the eagle are done at the beginning of the round, and the skin changer does nothing else. So raider, trapper, spam with skin changers, they just discards a dump. But bring some cool stuff, some thin warriors, and some, some bone boys. Oh, the other combo I thought of was cave dwellers. Uh, you know, sending one unit of cave dwellers in and uh, – you know, if you've got, like, the raid leader, Pedro is the raid leader, send one in, pop them, pretty decent, peel a rank off, send the next cave dweller in, and boom, they come in. Or even raiders with the cave dweller's abilities where, you know, they get stronger when the enemy's dying. Something like that would be really cool. Another funny one is uh, uh, playing it on a unit with Harma, the dog's head, uh, and then moving it, moving that unit, and then after you moved it, you play follow me to the unit next to it, move that one up, and then use its follow me to move the original unit again. <laughs> well. <laughs> Some serious movement. <laughs> I'd have to look into that. I don't know if they can re... I don't know if they can use an order that's been used, but whatever. Uh, well, no, you're not it, using... It, your. Oh, you mean like, well, because they're mirroring. Yeah, like you're, you're copying um, it, but yeah, they gain the ability, so I guess if they have it, then they've only used it the once, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, or even um, egret, uh, the attachment for, assass- I think it's called assassinate. You can mirror it. You could have like Spearwise with her in it and attempt to ass- uh, mirror your abilities onto uh, like uh, the followers of Bone. So now they have the, when you charge, you get thundering and then, but you activate them and you shoot at, uh, uh, or sorry, so you can attempt to assassinate. If it fails, then when your uh, followers of bone go, you can play this card to mirror the assassinate onto and the sundering on the charge onto the followers of bone. So when they charge into that unit, you get a second try at three up and the sundering. Is Griss assassinate ranged only? I have to look. I think hers it's is only ranged. Well, then, there you go. Let's see. I'll look just to be 100%, but uh, once per game, when this unit attacks an enemy within short range, you may target one attachment in that unit and roll a die, and on a three-up, kill that attachment. So, yeah, so uh, engaged would yeah, still be got- within short range. What would you say? Hello? You still there? Oh, I muted it because I was turning the sink on. She's got Nimble, too. Oh. I would have never yep. known because nobody uses her. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> I, like so I've, I've I love got, using got her in Spearwise. So I've got one question. So, if, if they... If you used to do that in that situation and say Egret was in Spearwives, would the unit that are mirroring them get the Spearwives ranged attack as an ability? Uh, let's see. It says, until the end of the turn, both units gain any abilities. Um, I would say no, just because they would have no profile. Because uh, you wouldn't take the attack profile like you would gain the ranged ability, but then you would have no to hit or amount of dice, because you okay. wouldn't, I, because you wouldn't take over their to hit on a what is it like a four up, and uh, you know they're like yeah seven, whatever, and then you also couldn't then just like mirror the followers of bones melee into a, a ranged, um, so even if you could mirror the short ranged part. You wouldn't mirror any of the other, like the stats. Well, nice. Yeah, because spear toss is an actual attack and not an ability per se. Yeah. But, yeah, I think this card has so much potential and so so many combinations. It's insane. So, and that's not to say what they change uh, with Free Folk, what you could possibly do outside of what we talked about. Granted, some of the things we talked about might not be a thing, uh, once we see all the changes, but still, there's so much potential. Um, and like I was saying, if the Bone Lords chosen don't change, this card even more reason to bring them because to be able to mirror their abilities on someone else or even someone else's abilities onto them to just put them over the top uh, is going to be amazing. Uh, another thing to keep in mind with them is um, because. Uh, Rattle shirt, I believe, has to be attached to them. So one thing to note is with the Bone Lords chosen is that you can never have a Walrus Chieftain in this unit. But with this card, you could then now uh, simulate 
a walrus chieftain in the Bowden Lord's Chosen. So yeah, I I think this card's easily the best one that was shown, and you know with how good it is, I could. It's probably going to be one of the best that they ever show. Is my uh, my thought and my opinion on it. So uh, we're going to have to wrap it up though. We only got about ten-ish minutes before uh, the show kind of kicks us off at our two-hour limit. Um, so I'm going to give you guys a couple shout-outs real quick, and then. Uh, let Brett kind of take the floor. So as always, guys, uh, definitely check us out on all the different platforms. You can uh, find us at, you know, where we do it mainly at Blog Talk Radio. You can find it at songoficeandfireguild.com. That's A-S-O-I-A-F guild.com. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And we're looking to add a couple more in that were recommended by some of the um, fans out there and uh, viewers, so definitely uh, stay tuned for that, as well as we are on Discord. Um, You can find us there to give us some show topics you'd like to hear. Uh, Find us on Facebook. You can uh, give us a like on there. Uh, Once we reach 700 likes, we're going to give out a Unibox of your choice. Uh, Every 100 likes, so 800, 900, we're going to give out a Unibox. If we hit 1,000, we're going to give out a starter box of your choice plus a Unibox to someone else, so two winners for that one. Uh, So definitely, uh, you know, keep that in mind. So sharing it out, getting those numbers up will definitely help everyone out. Um, And that's definitely the best way you can uh, help support us, just, you know, word of mouth, sharing sharing out the show, liking, following, uh, anything you can do to – help the channel grow. Um, other than that, uh, you know, go check out a song of ice and fire, uh, guild.com. It's an amazing site. We've added a couple new, um, uh, members. So, uh, it's like a one-stop shop where you can find just about any content you can think of between podcasts, uh, articles, uh, battle reports, you know, you name it, you're going to be able to find it there. And it's so well done. It's an amazing website. Uh, go check out a song of ice fire stats.com and go make a, a, uh, you know, log in or you can make a, you can register and that way when you log in, you can submit your, uh, report battle reports only takes like, I don't know, 15 seconds to put in every game. So if you've played like three games over the course of the day, take you like one minute to submit all of it. So definitely go check that out and you can find all the difference, you know, what's doing good, what's not doing so good. Uh, and kind of, you know, go from there. Uh, other than that, uh, Brett, if you want to take it away with uh, some of your shout-outs. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, just really quick, uh, I did a podcast with uh, Tabletop Warden. We were talking with Fabio. That should be getting edited and dropped pretty soon. It's a really cool, casual um, podcast just talking about game design uh game development and some of the kind of behind the scenes stuff that Fabio does. So you definitely want to check that out. It's like a uh, get to know your developers. The other thing is with Adepticon 2020 being canceled, I was able to be put in touch with the uh, official CMON organized play coordinator. And he has given his blessing to do a, an official CMON Adepticon event. Uh, So we are working on the details of that. But as I had mentioned earlier, uh, we're planning to do 1.6 rules. 
uh, because we're not entirely sure exactly when full 1.7 is going to drop. So with that in mind, just to shake things up a little bit from the normal 1.6 meta, I'm thinking we might do a 50-point main event for this instead of 40-point. 50-point on a 4x4, it kind of um, opens up a lot of play, and it does put a kind of a limit since it's on a 4x4 at 50 points to, like, free folk would have trouble, you know, like putting – uh, 14 units of Raiders on the board or something. So um, <laughs> it's just to kind of, it's not to pick on free folk and Starks, but it's kind of to shake them up a little bit because they're the two most dominant factions and they lose a little bit of that when it's a 50 point match on a four by four. So just something to think about, but for sure we will be doing uh, as long as COVID allows, uh, we will be doing an Adepticon tournament in person. Uh, Shane has indicated that we can probably use the JC Penny building. So six foot social distancing and all of these things will not be a problem if we've got that gigantic JC Penny building. So we'll be getting official CMON prize support and we'll be getting official CMON uh, just support and sanctioning on this event. And if COVID dies down, which it should, this is probably going to be the kickoff to CMON's competitive play for the year. So it's really exciting that, uh, you know, I feel really honored to be able to work with Simon on this. So details to come um, and just keep that in mind. But uh, if you can make the trip to Indy the weekend of Adepticon, it'd be super great. Uh, but I'm going to let Grant shout out uh, his podcast, the, or not his podcast, I'm sorry, his, uh, um, God, I'm such a turd. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> Beyond the Tactics Board. They, him and his buddies do a lot of painting and a lot of really cool stuff. And then I think you said you're a part of the three sales crew. So shout it out before we run out of time. Yeah, so, so, um, well, so me and three friends are a part of uh, Beyond the Tactics Board. So that's on facebook.com forward slash Beyond the Tactics Board. We do, it's a kind of tale of four games. Um, concentrate more on the hobby side. It's based around the first in battle campaign, uh, beta stuff that was released by Simon at the beginning of the year. Um, I've got my personal uh, painting page, Ye Cats Miniatures, and I've also now started doing tutorials for George at Free Sales Gaming as a part of his Patreon stuff, so go and check all that for us. And, uh, yeah, and thanks to you guys for having me on today. It's been a, been a good chat. Definitely. Uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on. It was definitely an awesome episode. Got a lot of content uh, covered and a lot of good discussion. I think, uh, you know, I hope anyone listening out there got a lot out of this one. Um, you know, and thank you so much. Uh, you know, thank you, uh, you know, for all the content you put out there. Uh, so with that said, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening in. Um, you know, we're, uh, going to be changing our show schedule, uh, to every other Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. It might fluctuate between 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m., just depending on the the week and what's going on. Uh, But then every other Tuesday, opposite weeks of the Sunday, we're going to be doing uh, our usual uh, Tuesday shows at 8 p.m. So still one show a week. Uh, We're just trying to diversify and help uh, out, you know, some of the listeners overseas because, you know, 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. our time, you know, makes it to where it's not like 1, 2, 3 in the morning over there. So, 
you know, I hope uh, hope this uh, change uh, works out for a lot of you uh, listeners out there. And as always, you know, just try to, you know, share out the show whenever you can. We appreciate uh, all you guys that listen in every week. Uh, but with that said, this is the Small Council, and it is dismissed.